0: Thank you. How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote, I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joining me today as, I don't know, third, fourth time this year is Alicia Rodriguez of SB Nation. Thank you for joining us, Alicia.
1: Yeah, are you sick of me yet, or are we still
0: good? Oh, I'm not sick of you. I never get sick okay. of you. Uh, hopefully our listeners are as thrilled about you being on as, as I am. But uh, the Sounders are playing the Quakes on Saturday, a after- rare Saturday afternoon game. Sounders don't get a lot of these. I don't know how common that is for the Earthquakes. But uh, what, what has changed in the world of the Earthquakes since last we met?
1: Yeah, there's actually been a lot of stuff that's uh, changed for the Earthquake. So the last time these teams met, uh, I, I don't know if, if uh, you or the audience recalls, but it was a really, really tight 1-0 uh, win for the Sounders in San Jose. It was the Alex Roaldon stars yeah, the
0: goalkeeper.
1: Uh, it was a game that Fry got hurt at the end, and the Quakes like just pounded them, and uh, the Sounders never broke, and it was a really impressive game. Uh, smash and grab for the sounders. Uh, and it was a really frustrating game for the quakes. And, um, I, you know, I'm not going to overstate things and say that that put them in a tailspin, but it has not gone well, uh, since then, uh, they've, they've not won a game. <laughs> uh, oh, has it that been whole, that yeah, it goes that all the way back to then? Yep. And, uh, they had a long, uh, losing streak and recently it's gotten a little bit better. They're currently on a four game, uh, Draw streak. They've they've drawn the last four games, so it's a little bit better. Um, I think for the first couple of games of that losing streak, uh, including the Sounders, the the loss against the Sounders, uh, the Quakes were playing really well, and they were honestly just super unlucky. Um, and then they had a few games where they were playing badly. Um, the but to their credit, the you know for grading on a curve, uh, the good news was that they only had one game where they were really truly abject, and that's when they went to. Orlando on short rest. And I believe the score was five nil. Uh, It was, it was a battering. They, they really got uh, killed in that game, but otherwise they've, you know, there's been some losses where they haven't looked great, but they haven't really let the game get away from them. Um, And like I said, in, in the last four games, they've improved somewhat, but they clearly need to start winning if they have any chance of getting into the playoff reckoning this season. And we saw they did it last year, but I don't know if it's something that they can do two seasons in a row Um, The other big thing that's happened is uh, the Quakes fired their general manager uh, about a month ago, just under a month ago. Um, So they're looking for a new GM. Uh, I'm a little bit curious to see what they're going to do because there's a lot of uncertainty about uh, Matias Almeida's future as the head coach, Um, not because the Quakes don't like him. I think they clearly chose Almeida over uh, Jesse Fiorenelli as the GM, but um how much longer is he going to stick around and how will that have any bearing on the GM search the higher the way that the team is going to move forward in terms of signing players those are a lot of questions so we have a lot of questions at the moment and uh we're kind of in a holding pattern
0: yeah so looking at the at their form guide uh it's pretty pretty stark they were three and one coming into the sounders game in week five and since then they've gone oh 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 six and five depending on it's six losses five draws uh like you said four draws in a row though so it has gotten a little bit better but uh have you know last time we, we talked to you Cade Cowell looked like the the next 20 million dollar uh transfer coming out of MLS and Jackson Yule was spraying balls over the field individually are our players have players come back down to earth is it just the system breaking down
1: I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, Ewell's missed quite a bit of time in the stretch. So uh, he's actually been absent from the team more than he's been present uh, because he's been on international duty. So I think that that's put a little bit of a a wrench in the earthquake's usual flow. He basically plays every game. So to have him out, I think is significant. Um, For Cowell, uh, I think he's been a little bit inconsistent, but again, he's he's a teenager. He's a young guy. So that's not a surprise, but. He actually, I think, I think the good, um, the good s- sign for the club at this point um, with their attack that's not truly getting off the ground is the fact that he and uh, Chofis Lopez seem to have uh, a budding chemistry together. And um, I think Cowell has set up most or all of, of Chofis's goals, so they have something going on. But the team clearly needs more. I mean, it's just not enough for them to, to be winning games at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that there's any players where you say, well, this guy's just being incredible and everybody else is letting him down. I think they're all right. being pretty decent, but they're not, they're just not getting, you know, the, the blood out of the stone, like they, they have in the past. And, um, we, we've always known that the earthquakes have had a talent deficit compared to other, you know, most other teams in the league. And this year, maybe they're coming back down to earth a little bit more and, um, you know, the system is not winning out. It's it's a case of other teams really know how to unlock a native system and um, they're finding, you know, some tough sledding as a result.
0: So one of the additions since the last game was, I think his name's Nathan, I guess he's a Brazilian center back. What can you tell us about him? And I I know he scored against, against sporting Kansas city two games ago. Uh, What else, what kind of, is he someone we should know about?
1: Yeah, I think uh, he's pretty likely to start. I think he's probably going to be a starter moving forward. Um, he's a lanky uh, center back, like you said, out of Brazil, but he he had come from Europe. So uh, he has some experience playing abroad, which I think is uh, you know beneficial for somebody coming to MLS and uh, getting acclimated quickly. Uh, he basically got thrown right into the lineup. Uh, his teammates are really high on him. They say that he's very charismatic, which is something that you don't usually hear when you you know, talk about soccer players, especially for uh, defenders, you know, you don't think, oh, he's so charismatic, but that was uh, an adjective used to describe him. Um, and he seems like kind of another, you know, fiery, uh, you know, raise the arms to get the crowd into it kind of guy who uh, maybe has the skill to back it up. And, um, you know, I think his insertion in the lineup has corresponded with uh, the, the uptick in form recently. Um, so again, if the defense can hold a little bit Firmer, which they have been for the most part. Uh, they need the attack to get going and, and score more goals and and they could, you know, be find some traction. But um, he's the only uh, midseason addition they've made so far, but uh so far, so good. I mean, I think it's a good, a good addition. But uh, like I said, for this team that has uh, a noted talent deficit, they they still need a few more pieces. And given the fact that they're currently searching for a GM. I think it's pretty unlikely they're going to find much uh, in this current transfer window. I would be surprised if they, you know, really shelled out in in the final weeks here.
0: So is it Chris Leach who's essentially running the front office right now? He was the people may remember him. He was an a interim coach for the quakes for a while. In fact, I think he, he engineered a win over the Sounders in open cup play uh, a few years ago. And he's been kind of in the front office for a while. Right.
1: Yeah. He's sort of the, uh, I think a lot of MLS teams have this guy where it's like a former player who sticks around and is like, kind of fills in in like seven or eight roles across right. several years. Like that's kind of what he's doing. Um, they said that he's also a contender. He, he's, he's a candidate to become the permanent GM as well. And, uh, the club seems to want to have somebody who has uh, more MLS experience and more knowledge of the league moving forward. Um, Jesse Fiorinelli famously made two player trades in his like four and a half years uh, as the GM within MLS. He, he constantly said there was no value to trade in MLS. And um, I think if you're a team that doesn't have a lot to, of money to spend, in fact, there is value to be found in MLS trades. Um, you yeah. know, kind of like the opposite of what you would expect from a, from a team that, that has a, a low budget and, um, so I think that's kind of one of the course corrections that the, the club is looking for, for the next GM is somebody who, you know, maybe is, is certainly open-minded to a, an international approach and um, is turning over rocks to find good international players, but also values and understands uh, what the market is in MLS and actually goes out and, and makes
0: use of it. I don't know if it was San Jose, but I saw one team that's struggling had zero players that had played on other MLS teams and that's sort of, to me, a pretty massive indictment when a GM comes in and just completely ignores the domestic market. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, MLS is the, you know, has the best players. It, it clearly doesn't. But there are a lot of useful players that aren't necessarily getting minutes on on teams or around the league. And you just don't have to look very much farther than Nashville. And you look at the way that they've built that team and how much success they've had compared to most of the other, you know, the the – other teams that have sort of gone through rebuilds, they're obviously an expansion team, but you know you can look around the league and see which teams have been successfully rebuilding and almost none of them do it like by ignoring the domestic market. Uh, that said, uh, one of the things that caught my eye was that San Jose is using an outside firm to a headhunting firm essentially to help recruit this GM. And you look at the, the resume of this, of this firm And they basically have helped Cincinnati, they helped Miami, they helped uh, a couple other teams that are doing very poorly. And I just wonder why, what do you have a theory as to why, like, who has convinced MLS teams that they need to hire, you know, essentially foreign organizations to find GMs or coaches? Because it seems to be going almost universally poorly.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have an easy answer for it, but um, I mean, I think that in some ways, like you can talk yourself into saying that it's a it's a good approach if you know the firm had a good track record. Like in the case of an owner who, you know, in the case of the earthquakes, the the team owner owns also owns the Oakland A's, so you know it's not just they're they're not solely focused on soccer. I don't think that John Fisher would regard himself as a soccer guy or anything like that. So in Essence handing over, you know, the decision making or or helping to uh, determine the the best candidate for the job um, makes some sense, right? Like it, you know, you want the people who know what they're doing to to kind of help out with that. Um, but like you said, the track record is is pretty horrible, to be honest. I mean, I think anybody who picks um, what Cincinnati, I mean, the, the 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 double blow of Cincinnati and Miami, um, you know, is. Yeah, it's horrible, right? It's like those are the, the top two clubs they, right now in MLS of what not to do. In like they've spent an every... outrageous
0: amount of money to have two of the worst teams in the league.
1: Yeah, in, in every pretty much every regard, I think, except for uh, Cincinnati building a stadium in in fairly short order and um, that project working out. Like soccer wise, it's been a complete disaster for that team uh, into Miami, they're not quite as far along, but I mean, they're sputtering badly. And, um, you know, the, the front office appears to be a mess. The team is a mess. The coach is a mess. You know, everything is a mess there. So, um, yeah, that's, what's really concerning. Um, and again, if, if, if you go through this whole process and then you find out that like, oh, it's Chris Leach all along, it's, right? Like, what's the point? What was the point of this whole, whole you know, exercise, but, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm certain, like I said, there's, there's so many questions surrounding the coach um, and kind of what his timeline is for staying with this club. Uh, You know, if he's like, at the end of the season, I'm out, I don't care, regardless, I'm basically you know going to take off. I have the pick of any situation in South America to choose from right now. So I, you know, I'm out, then that changes the equation quite a bit. Then if he says, well, I actually want to continue on and we'll see what happens. You know, I'm I'm really committed to this project that's going to, you know, those are two very different situations for the club
0: that is the thing that I've I've wondered about often is like I'm I tend to like Matias Almeida in broad terms I think having coaches like that that have a different perspective are great for the league you can certainly find a lot of fault in the results that he's he's gotten in San Jose but I think the process has been interesting and I would like to think that they wouldn't like, it makes sense to me that they would choose him over Firinelli, or Fionnelli, who came into the league with no experience in the league, never seemed to show any aptitude for learning the league. And maybe the one hire that he made that was good was probably uh, Almeida. Uh, but they, they must have a club president, right? There must be a, a soccer person at the head of the org. Like, who's the top-ranking soccer person there, do you know? Uh, But you don't know immediately, I guess. Speaks to that. Yeah,
1: that's a good question. I'm pretty sure that uh, Jared Charlie is on the business side, so I don't know. I it may maybe it was Fiorenelli. Yeah, I think Fiorenelli might have been a combo top soccer GM, yeah, kind of thing.
0: Well, in any case, it's it's interesting to me because you know the like Inter Miami did this whole search and they abandoned it after the first year, and then they went back and used essentially the research they did from the first year. And they ended up hiring Chris Henderson, who to me on paper was the most obvious hire to begin with. And then to go back to the, and it just, like, the whole thing just reeks of, you know, uh, so, like not having enough soccer people maybe involved in, in some of these organizations. But uh, I, I'm fascinated by the, by the earthquakes because it seems like they have the tool, they have like the recipe for doing something right there. Like they there, there's a history. There's a local community who uh, I think you can activate. If anyone really got into it, their state, you know, they're in a, their stadiums in a decent location. It's a it's a decent facility. They've got other facilities in in town that are that are certainly fine. And yet they've they've had a real hard time finding any sort of consistency, especially since moving to to PayPal. PayPal. Yes. PayPal park Uh, there. I was very impressed. I I pulled that one out, but uh, did I hear that Billy bean is involved in the search this time?
1: Uh, I think he's a, an advisor, which makes sense because again, the Oakland A's connection to, you know, John Fisher. So,
0: and he does uh, have some soccer. He, I mean, not extensive, but he does have some soccer experience.
1: I mean, I think if you're talking about somebody who's coming from a different sport um, and coming to advise about soccer, he's probably, one of the very top can you know, people who probably could offer some insight. So in, in that case, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, what a disaster, because it may right. actually turn out to be something I, I imagine considering his track record as somebody who thought against the grain when it came to baseball um, and is a very avid uh, fan of soccer, who knows, maybe he can offer something that not only will be against the grain, but will actually help the team.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting, it's an interesting th- situation. And I, as someone from the the Bay area uh, who grew up, you know, certainly aware of what was going on with the sounds of the earthquakes, I find it particularly fascinating, but uh, it, it weirdly, it seems like the best, the best thing you can say about the earthquakes chances in this one is the Sounders have not historically done real well against teams. They're heavily favored against at home, weirdly mm-hmm. enough. Like it's like there's an inverse pr- uh, relationship. It seems between, uh, how many, you know, how how heavily they're favored, and and what result they they get at home, uh, mostly in the form of ties. So I, I guess in that way, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if if San Jose were able to get a point out of this one. But on paper, it does seem like a game the Sounders should win. And uh, you know, aside, for, but at the same time, other than that that seven one game last year, these games have always been really close. And and in fact, the Sounders have had to come up with a lot of late winners to to hold serve at home against san jose so i i wouldn't be surprised if there was was a close one in the in this game uh who what are some are there any other players though that are maybe worth paying attention to from san jose uh
1: you know it's going to be the same group basically that that played uh last time um yule won't be involved because he's still uh, at the gold cup uh well we're assuming he'll still be at the gold cup i guess it's not a given necessarily you probably won't
0: be able to play in this game in any case yes
1: uh unlikely to play uh regardless but um basically uh it's and nathan the, the newcomer but basically it's going to be the same group that we've been seeing uh marcos lopez is back from the copa america and he was gone for what seemed like forever but um i am i believe he played against the sounders so that really isn't any different um so yeah so it's going to be pretty much the same group um Chris Wanolowski at the start, uh, last week. And I wouldn't be shocked if he got the start again. Um, they are really trying to figure out a way to get manufactured some more goals. Andy Rios has been terrible, like truly, truly awful this year. Um, and yeah, Wando, you know, he's, he's not scoring a ton, but he obviously provides a little bit more of a threat than, uh, most of the other guys on the, on the roster. I think Cowell, um, will continue to play. I think trophies will continue to play. Um, but yeah, it, it, I don't think there's going to be any big surprises, um, unless they sign someone tomorrow and I doubt they're going to do that.
0: And Christian Espinoza seems to have taken a bit of a step back. I know he was mentioned as sort of like a very dark horse, but a, a you know, a dark horse MVP candidate, someone who, if things went right, could, you could see him, you know, rising up the the ranks, but he has not at all been anywhere close to what you know, he has not built on last year at all so far.
1: No, and it, it's a shame. I mean, I think he's a player who you don't necessarily, you know, for attacking player, um, you, you you watch the game and you say, it didn't seem like he did that much. And then you look at the stats and you say, wow, he had eight key passes and, you know, he set up the goal on the day and wow, I didn't realize that he actually was pretty effective. Um, but he actually has not been very effective this season. And I think in part, it's it's the, the team around him that um, just is not scoring. And, and so, you know, any chances that he is setting up, they're mostly going for naught. but also uh, I think opposing teams are smart enough to have realized that he is, you know, the player that the team is playing through most of the time. And so they're doing a much better job of defending him and the team at one point when they were playing well, they switched him onto the other flank and that worked for a game and then it stopped working and uh, scoring wise, he just really has not been in any kind of rhythm. So uh, yeah, he's having a down year. I still think he's a good player, but um, a combination of, of maybe a bit of a personal slump and um, the fact that the supporting cast isn't really you know, offering any production, that's um, hurting him quite a bit.
0: Well, Alicia, I really do appreciate you uh, hanging out with us again. It's always good to catch up with you and it's good to get insight into the Earthquakes, a team who constantly uh, seems to be hard to figure out in some ways. So, uh, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for, uh, giving me the chance to chat.
0: Yeah. And, uh, make sure you, you follow her on at soccer musings on Twitter and, uh, we'll catch up with you. I'm sure later in the year. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later.